We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. episode number 30 of lion legacy and ross as great it is to see you every week in our virtual studio i must say we had back-to-back weekends together a few weeks ago in september early september let's touch on the first one the second one will be our our wisconsin penn state boys weekend which we'll save for another episode intro yeah we had the pleasure of going out to Vail, Colorado, beautiful town, and celebrating our good friend from Penn State, Abby Oppenheim's wedding, and just loved, obviously, being at a wedding again with friends and certainly celebrating Abby and Sean and wish them a lot of congratulations. But I actually also not only had fun, but I also learned during that wedding your theory and philosophy on the cocktail hour, which to you is very important. Yes. And we've been to many weddings in our day and they're all a lot of fun, but let me tell you the best part, in my opinion, the best part of the wedding is the cocktail hour. And so I'm a self-proclaimed cocktail hour expert. I've learned to navigate them very well. And so when we were at the cocktail hour at Abby's wedding, I had the opportunity to impart my knowledge of uh, and, and wisdom of the cocktail hour onto Jared. And so uh, Jared got a kick out of this. I don't know. It's just really secondhand for me. But Jared wanted me to share with our, our listeners. So there are a couple of, of important rules when it comes to a cocktail hour. Number one. As soon as you make your way from the ceremony to the cocktail hour, assuming it's traditional, right, where the ceremony comes first and then goes right into the cocktail hour, most people will go right for the bar. The bar is going to be there all night. The cocktail hour is only an hour. So what do you do? You go for the food. Very important. Go for the food. You can go get your drink in a little bit after the kind of the crowd of the bar dissipates. Okay. Number two, make friends with the servers. The men and women that bring the past hors d'oeuvres around the cocktail hour, they're walking it around. That's the good stuff. Now, you may have some stations. You might have some good food. Maybe there's a raw bar. Maybe there's some different stations. I don't know. You've seen pasta. You've seen charcuterie. You've seen your cheese and crackers. You name it. It depends what's on hand. But the key is the past hors d'oeuvres. That's the good stuff in my opinion. Find out the names of these people. Find them out. Let them know who you are. Ross. Come find me. Oh, you don't like this one thing they're passing around? Okay, what else do you have coming out? They'll give you a preview. All right, well, hey, and then also park yourself near where they're coming from. There's a door somewhere where they're getting the food and putting it on the tray. Stand near there. This way, that server comes on out. You can grab him or her when she, he or she's got a full tray, and you can get the good stuff. And if not, and if they're really good, you let them know who you are. They'll recognize your face, even if you're not standing by that entrance. They'll come find you and they'll save you one. Oh, you were waiting for this. You were waiting for this little ceviche or your little, I don't know, your your steak tartare. Okay, well, come find. They're going to walk you around. Hey, I saved you one. You get one before they go and they're all gone. So it's very important. Number one, go for the for the food first. Go for the bar second. Number two, find out the names of the servers. Number three, stand near, near the entrance. And that's basically it. You're on your way to getting filled up. Now you got to save a little bit of room for the dinner, but- that's the important way. That's how you navigate the cocktail hour. 
I hope people at home are taking notes. And and when we started this line, Legacy, I never thought that you would be imparting wisdom for all of us to follow in your lead. But here we are, right? This podcast has taken different turns along the way. And we'll just, I mean, we, we've learned a ton and you know what? And sometimes we learn a lot from our guests. And if this is a little nugget that I can share with our listeners and I hope they have fun with it. We're, we're all better off for sure. That's you got to right. give me your favorite cocktail hour food. Ooh, my favorite. I wasn't ready for that one. I, I like, sometimes they have a little, almost like a, like a mushroom puff or one of those things with a little, what's it called? Not, it's like a little puff pastry type pastry, thing. Pastry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always love those. Those tend to be really good. And I know what yours is, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's your favorite? I'll have to go. And, and my dad is the same exact way. We'll have to go pigs and blankets. Classic. Classic, right? Yeah. And speaking of pigs and blankets. Speaking we, of. We, we, I did not really set this up. That's literally my favorite. Oh, I know it is. Our food. We had a great guest. Speaking of hot dogs. Yeah, this was a fun one. So for those of you that have made it this far with our intro, this is a fun episode. We spoke with Ashley Ferrara, who had the notoriety. I mean, this is important. She spent the better part of the last year or eight right after she graduated in the early part of the pandemic as a hot dogger for the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. And so she just graduated Penn State in, in spring of 2020. And she spent a year on the Wienermobile. And she told us all about what that is, how she got involved with it, what she did, all the questions that you probably, that would come to mind. We hit on all of them and we had a lot of fun with it. It was, it's a little more lighthearted than some of the other episodes. She had some really cool stories that, I, that Jared and I definitely were not expecting, but with that, we're going to throw some dogs on the grill and, and get fired up with Ashley Ferrara. All right. Let's welcome Ashley Ferrara, 2020 graduate with a degree in public relations, advertising, and applied communication. Ashley is the most recent Penn State graduate to be a guest on Lying Legacy, but we know she has some great stories from her time as being a hot dogger. Yes, you heard me right, a hot dogger for the famous Oscar Mayer company. Not many people could say that, Ashley, and I am a big fan of hot dogs, so too bad we can't be doing this in person, eating hot dogs together, but great to have you on our virtual studio. Hot dog, hello, Jared and Ross. And don't worry, <laughs> I ate enough hot dogs on the road for the both of us right now. We're covered. Excellent. We And Jared, we got to talk more about hot dogs, by the way. In our pre-show, Ashley used hot dog as a verb, which I thought was amazing. And that made me think of like basketball, right? Somebody hot dogging, like showing off. And then we, we can go on different, different tangents and hot dogs, but we'll get there. First of all, you have to say a hot dog hello back to Ashley. A hot dog hello, Ashley, and thank you for joining us. We have so many questions, and, and I'm sure we'll get to many of them. So first, you got to tell us, how did this all happen? How does one go from gra graduating Penn State to being a hot dogger and having the the true honor of driving the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile? Tell us about this. Okay, my story is a really funny story. So the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile recruits at Penn State every year. We're one of the lucky few schools that the Wienermobile recruits from. So they were there January 2020. I'm a senior. I'm for some reason going to class on time. It was like 9 a.m. And I'm walking and it is snowing and freezing. I have my hood up. I have my AirPods in. I'm staring at my phone. And the Wienermobile was parked outside of Carnegie, like between Carnegie and Willard. And I walked physically right into it. Like I smacked my head on the side of the Wienermobile because <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. 
and nobody was like out there around because it was so early and so I was like so angry at it <laughs> and I went to class and I was taking a social media class at the time and they the current hot doggers then came into that social media class and talked about how it's the opportunity of a lifetime and you travel America in a giant hot dog just driving miles of smiles and I was like it's a sign this is a sign from the higher hot dog above like I need to apply for this job so I went and applied and then next thing you know I was all American Ashley driving around in oh I wish <laughs> so you could say you relished in the opportunity oh yeah I had buns of fun I was very frankful I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to let you two do this interview yourself with all your puns. I, I am I'm coming up with all my puns or we should say buns. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm going to have fun with this, Jared. I am and and Ashley, of course. I'm going to I'm going to come up with all my puns along the way. You just Ross, wait. It's all improv. You you clearly missed your calling. I think you should have been a hot dogger after graduating in 2004. Yeah. I would have been fun. <laughs> You could have been Relish Ross. You guys talk like me. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. This is too funny. Well, you know, we have a, a great partnership with the Daily Collegian. And every episode, students submit questions. And I imagine you get this question quite a bit, but it is an important one. And this week, Julia Puntel, a senior studying elementary education, wants to know, how hard is it to drive the Wienermobile? And what's the training like? <laughs> Yeah, I was looking forward to this segment so much. I love that you guys partner with the Collegian. But okay, so the Wienermobile, it's very easy to drive, hate to say. Um, I feel like people really want it to be hard, but it's not. That's like our shortest part of training. Okay, so when you get the job, you go to Hot Dog High and you have to graduate Hot Dog High to become a hot dogger. And whilst you're there, you go through media training, you get a list of puns to use, you go through the hoops. And then for one weekend only, we are out in a parking lot in all six Wienermobiles, backing them up, taking them through obstacle courses, figuring out how to get yourself out of a tight spot in a gas station, everything. And so in 48 hours time, you have to learn the ins and outs of a giant hot dog and then pass your DOT driver's test. And the police of Madison, Wisconsin are nice enough to train us and then test us with that. So we spend 48 hours with a bunch of retired cops yelling at us about how to back up a hot dog through some cones. And then and, you're good to go. And how long is hot dog high out of curiosity? It is a quick two weeks. Wow. That's it. And then you're released onto the hot dog highways. Good luck. <laughs> I, I would have answered that. With, it, it, how long was it? It was a foot long. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, I'm, I'm, two, I'm two for two if you're keeping track at home. I haven't heard that one before. So I'm sure, you know, so once you graduated hot dog high, you were on your way, right? I'm sure you, you took some, you had plenty of time traveling around the, whatever your route was or your territory. So tell us about, tell us about some of your stories, people you met, some places you went to, what are your favorites? Oh, this is, I think this is the hardest question to answer in an interview. So you are driving for a year and you do the first half a year from June to December in one region with one partner. So from June to December, I was in the Southeast region with my partner, Tommy Salami. 
and then we take a winter break and then we go back on the road and it's just a whole remix. So then you get a new car, a new partner, a new region. And so then I was in the central region, which is like Chicago all the way out to Colorado. And I was with Chili Dog CJ. So two vastly different experiences. I feel like I lived seven lifetimes within those 12 months. But my favorite stories were always the ones that I wouldn't be able to replicate unless I had been driving a giant hot dog at the time. So my favorite one from the Southeast was when I was in Myrtle Beach, we had to do an event on their boardwalk and we had the event for six hours, which is fairly long for a hot dog. And so it was around like 10 p.m. and we are like wrapping up the event. And this woman comes up to me at our table and was like, I don't want to seem like I'm defacing your vehicle, but my mother had just passed away like from COVID this year and I'm trying to complete her bucket list. And the very last thing on her bucket list was to get a ride in the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. And I was just like, oh man, here it comes. Like, this is what they were talking about. This is when your heart breaks for the people you never thought you'd meet. So I broke the rules on that one and let her into the Wienermobile with me. No one else could come in, but I let her and her daughter inside. And I just let them take pictures and sit in the seats. And I gave them all the stuff that we call Wienermobilia. So that's like a stuffed beanie weenie, some stickers, postcards, anything you could think of that you can put a hot dog on. And I just sat there and cried with their family as they completed the very last thing on their relative's bucket list. And she actually smeared her mom's ashes on our back tires so that her mom would be able to come with us everywhere that we went on the road. Oh, I wish has a ghost, which is pretty cool. But after that, they walked off to the beach and dumped the rest of our ashes in the sand and that was it and whoo it was a tough one especially to walk back outside of the ween and people are mad that you're not letting them into and you're just like trying to respect this family's opportunity and experience while managing everyone else's expectations it was crazy um that was a good one that's that is a story i was not expecting i must say Exactly. That would never happen to me unless I drove a giant hot dog at that exact time. That is very true. That is a a very interesting story, to say the least. Yeah. And and, go ahead. Go ahead. Even. Oh, no, you can finish that. I was just going to flip it with a more lighthearted story. Go with it. Yeah. So second half, when I was in Central Region, I was out in Colorado and... I was in Denver and we ended up doing an event. We were going to hang out with the mayor of, I forget what town we were in. It was a tiny town, like out way outside of like Boulder. And so we were like, all right, we'll meet this mayor outside the library and we'll let the school kids come up and see the Wienermobile. And we wake up super early, like we beat the sun and drive all the way out here through all these mountains. And when we get there, the mayor of the town, whose name was Parker, was a dog. (laughs) the mayor of this town was a dog so i hung out with this dog that was wearing a tie for like two hours he was the best so jared which one did you expect more the uh, the dog mayor or the lady with the ashes (laughs) i have no words i knew there were going to be some interesting (laughs) stories but i was not expecting a dog mayor or someone having a bucket list when they're technically 
passed on. But yeah. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah. This is why we have you on a podcast to tell these types of stories. <laughs> Blow yeah. our minds like that. It's crazy even just reminiscing on these because I'm like, oh my God, that happened to me. <laughs> but in the middle of it, I'm just like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm relishing my time with you. <laughs> there you go. Rel- relishing again. I love it. I love it. So so tell us, when you go to all these places, like, what are you act exactly doing? I know you said you were handing out some memorabilia, but... Wienermobilia? Yeah, thank you. How do you say that? <laughs> Wienermobilia. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, so the tradition of the Wienermobile was started in 1936. So Oscar Mayer's nephew, Carl Mayer, in Chicago, wanted to give the people a reason to smile in the peak of the Great Depression. And so he thought, screw it, hot dog car. And he made the first ever Wienermobile, which is like half the size of this Wienermobile. You really couldn't drive it. You had to like hang out the top. But people loved it. Like it did exactly what he set out to accomplish was to just give people a reason to come together and smile in a hard time. And that's exactly what I was doing in the middle of a global pandemic. Everywhere I went, we would just communicate to the community and see what they needed from us and what they wanted to see. And a lot of times I was at outside of nursing homes waving from the window because the Wienermobile to nursing home residents is just nostalgia. And then at other times I was out at state fairs or uh, like food truck festivals or anything that the community was setting was organizing that we were allowed to attend because the one thing about the Wienermobile is all of your events are outside. So Wherever we were, people could just come up and learn about us. And that's basically all we do is just educate people, help them make new memories with the Wienermobile, and of course, give them the famed weenie whistle. I love it. You started with the Great Depression. I was like, oh, my God, this is coming full circle now with the, the pandemic. And yeah, I think we all needed a smile and continue to probably need a smile given the situation that we're currently in as well. Yeah, it was super interesting, especially talking to a lot of the nursing home residents because we would like FaceTime them on one of the nurses phones so we could talk to them from inside the Wienermobile. And one guy was like, you're the first person I'm seeing other than the other residents here since like last February. And I was like, oh my God, that's just, again, I would not be meeting him unless I drove a giant hot dog. And here I am making like one of his first memories since last winter. Is crazy. So then, so Ashley, I think you you alluded to it a moment ago. So I guess pre-pandemic, were people allowed to go in the Wienermobile, or was there like other any other like protocol changes that you experienced during COVID? Yeah, it's different. The activations at the Wienermobile are different every year. The very first time I saw the Wienermobile, I was like six years old, and it was in the giant parking lot, like in my hometown, and I got to take my dog inside of it. The class that was teaching us how to do our jobs, they really didn't let too many people inside of it. It was a whole thing where you have to sign a waiver to get a ride and stuff like that. And then when we did our jobs, not too much had changed because a lot of the activations are still outside of the Wienermobile. But it was up to the hot doggers and how comfortable they felt with their vehicles. So a lot of times I would leave the door open because everyone just wants to see inside of it. Some people kept the door closed. Some people let people all the way in. It really just depended on what hot dogger you got. But 
Yeah, the only rule that never changes is no one is allowed to sit in the driver's seat. Only hot doggers are allowed to. All right, makes sense. And then just to continue on with your experience as a hot dogger, so when you're on the road, are you constantly going somewhere? Is it a pretty hectic schedule? Do you get some days off in between? Tell us about that aspect of it. Yeah, so it's a new city every week. We usually drive in to a city on Monday, and then we get Tuesday and Wednesday off so that we can play tourists. It was super crucial with our class because my class was the first one to plan their own events because our bosses realized that they weren't able to do that remotely. And so we had to use our off days of Tuesday and Wednesday to get a feel for what the CDC guidelines were, what the community guidelines were in each different city. And they were so different everywhere we went. So while we were playing tourists, we were also kind of gathering ideas of where we'd want to take the Wienermobile that week or like what we'd want to go and see. But then Thursday to Sunday, we are out and about. And even though Tuesday and Wednesday were off days, you're never really off because that's the only car you have. So even while I'm driving around and going shopping or checking out like the national park in that state or something, I'm still in the Wienermobile. So I still have to talk to people about hot dog car, even if I'm wearing jeans instead of khakis. So then was there a spot on either of your uh, tours, if you will, was there a city that maybe you didn't have much of an expectation for and then you got there and you're scouting it out and you're like, holy moly, this is not what I expect. It's great. It's beautiful. Was there some uh, hidden gem as far as your travels go? Uh, there were so many. And a lot of the places that I discovered were on drive days from one location to the next where I would just convince my partner to pull over so I could like stargaze or buy like my first ever peach in Evansville, Indiana. I was like, I'm going to buy a peach. I've never had one. But those were magical moments. But I think the city that wowed me the most was Memphis, Tennessee. I had gone there after Nashville. I was not expecting much. And that city was everything I could have hoped for and more. It was like a tiny New Orleans. It was just so magical. There was live music. Everyone wanted to make you feel comfortable and like a part of the community. It was just, it was so awesome. It was a great community to hang out with for a week. I've never been there actually. Have you Ross? either? No, I haven't oh, put it I, on the list. I highly recommend it. It is. We, awesome. Were you able to drive the Wienermobile down Beale street? Yes. We did an event in smack dab in the middle of Beale street. We actually closed the Wienermobile up for 45 minutes to take a lunch break. And we went and toured, is it sun studios? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, but, Elvis, of, of Elvis yeah. fame. Yes, so I took my lunch break and went and saw where Elvis got started at Sun Studios, like right down the street. It was awesome. Very cool. All right, shout out to Memphis. Jared, put it on the list. <laughs> we'll make it happen. All right. So then continuing on, so the, we're, we're t- you spend a lot of time, obviously, in, in the Wienermobile. It's your singular mode of transportation but you know, I assume you don't sleep in it. You just park it outside of a hotel and I'm sure it draws attention to wherever you and your uh, coworker are, are staying over for the night. I was waiting for this one. Oh my gosh, Ross. It's not a weenie bago. We don't sleep in there. <laughs> I would have, would not have come up with that one. So I'll give you a point on there. <laughs> no, we stay. We actually manage. We book all of our own 
hotels and I became an Airbnb queen on the road and I scored nice. some really amazing Airbnbs using the Wienermobile for clout. But yeah, it is parked wherever we're staying. So you can stalk us pretty easily. <laughs> but in the smaller towns, especially a lot of news stations would broadcast where we were staying, like what hotel we're parked at. <laughs> So those ones are, uh, they're something. <laughs> Famous. Can't even get a good night's sleep without someone trying to figure um, out where you are. I usually requested that my room be on the side that the Wienermobile was parked so I could see it from my window. And my favorite activity was yelling out the window at kids at like in the wee hours of the morning because it's just teenagers trying to climb the Wienermobile at like 2, 3 a.m. <laughs> I would love just like yelling out the window at them and scaring them. <laughs> Get off my wiener mobile. <laughs> I'm like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of a random question. Mm-hmm. How many Oscar Mayer hot dogs do you think you consumed over the past year doing this? Well, all right. Most people are not going to this answer. Um, so we do not serve hot dogs with the Wienermobile. That is like the one activity that I'm not qualified to do after graduating from Hot Dog High. So <laughs> the only way I'm eating a hot dog is if the people that are hosting the event that we partner with are grilling themselves. So it's up to whoever we partnered with. And we would tell them when we reached out to them for an event, like, oh, you can grill if you want to. We can give you coupons, we can get you product, but like we can't do it or serve them. So I think I finally hit like 20 by the end of my tour. Okay. Yeah. But I imagine everyone comes up to you and asks for a hot dog probably. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. People walk up to our tent. We have a little setup and people walk up to our tent and just start giving me their order. And I'll be like, nice. Yeah, no, I like those toppings too. (laughs) Cool. They get so mad. So let's talk about your partners for a second. You mentioned Tommy, right? Was it Tommy Salami? And what was CJ? What was his name? Chili Dog CJ. Chili Dog CJ. So I guess just give us a little blurb about about them, where they come from. What did you learn about them? Did you become close friends with them because you were spending so much time together? Oh, my goodness. Fast friends on the hot dog highways. Tommy Salami was my first half partner. So me and him had to figure out how to drive a hot dog and live this lifestyle, as you could say, together, which is a crazy bonding experience. And we had the unfortunate ability to stalk each other before we got to Hot Dog High because our year got pushed back because of COVID. So we had a little bit of a late start. So we got to like spend more time looking at each other online. And Tommy is from Chicago, but he went to USC out in California. And his Instagram totally looks like that. So I was like, I do not want this kid. Like, please, no. (laughs) I'm getting out of Penn State. No more frat boys. Like, I do not want to hang out with this kid. If I get partnered with him, I'm quitting. And then I got partnered with him. And he is my absolute best friend. Like, we have dealt with the craziest things together. He was there when I was crying over the woman spreading her mother's ashes on the tire. He was there to tour Sun Studios with me and everything in between. We really like, he's my best friend. I am so grateful that the Hot Dog Highways brought us together. 
And then second half, Chili Dog CJ, he's also from the Midwest. And a funny thing about the Midwest, I'd never met a Midwesterner <laughs> before I started this job. And I was like the only one really from the East Coast besides Rachel, Relish Rachel, but she was from Pittsburgh, our other Penn State alumnus that drove it. But we're so different. So I had a huge learning curve with like that Midwestern hospitality. <laughs> but thank God CJ was there to help me adjust to that lifestyle since he is from there. And he really immersed me in Big Ten culture because he graduated from UW-Madison. So he helped me complete my like Big Ten imagery because at that point, all I had known was Penn State. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Go Badgers. <laughs> so I really, I was blessed with two amazing partners and now we're lifelong friends. Hey, Ross and I were just in, in Wisconsin as well at Madison for the, the first game of the season. Great campus. Um, it's so nice there. That's the Wienermobile's home base is Madison, Wisconsin. Exactly. Yeah, every time we do like anything. So I spent a lot of time in Madison. That's where I recruited. Relish Rachel was recruiting at Penn State this January, and I was recruiting at UW-Madison with Chili Dog. So what is it about? I mean, I know Penn State's great, and we've got the greatest students and academics, but you mentioned earlier that Oscar Meyer recruits Penn Staters. Yeah. So any idea? You're obviously not the first person or the last person to be a hot dogger from Penn State, but I'm curious if you have any insight there. So... My guess, I chalk it up to good taste, no pun intended. They have always recruited at Penn State since the very first class in 1988. And I guess it just went really well. So they've done it ever since. Unfortunately for the class that followed me, we did not pull anyone from Penn State, but I'm super, super confident that they'll do a good job recruiting this year and more people will be able to go out to it and actually see it. Yeah. yeah. U.S. News and World Reports, top, top universities <laughs> to become a hot dog or Penn State. There we go. I, I think it's such like, it's right there. The headline writes itself. I don't know how it doesn't exist yet. I tried. There we go. So your stint as a hot dogger has unfortunately come to an end. So tell mm -hmm. us where you are now and, and what you are doing. Yeah. So you only get to hot dog for a year. So I finished up mid-June and I came back to Philadelphia to enjoy my pseudo retirement because a year on the hot dog highways really takes it out of you. So I was looking to kick it in the sun, eat as many cheese sticks as I could and just relax before rejoining corporate America. But the company that does PR for the Wienermobile snagged me. They got me. They called me up one day and they're like, I know you come work for me. And I was like, can't say no. I can't say no. So now I'm working for ICF Next in Chicago, which is why I'll be moving out there pretty soon. Awesome. And is your account Oscar Meyer? <laughs> no. Okay. I wanted, I wanted to diversify. So I am on the Mars Wrigley team with Starburst and Skittles and Orbit and Extra Gum. And then I also do Sim Inserta Betting, which is a crazy account. You wouldn't think betting is exciting, but I love it so much. Cool. Certainly good luck with your when you move out to Chicago. And that's very all newer alums should be as lucky as you are that you're able to take that first gig temporary for a year and leverage that into your next full time position. Hopefully you'll have a nice long career with the with that media company. Yeah, fingers crossed. 
hot dog highways lead you anywhere. That's right. And then when you get to those exits, you just have to take them, right? <laughs> I imagine that you meet people, right? And, and this, your time as a hot dogger comes up in conversation. How do you see yourself looking back on that one year as a hot dogger many years from now? I imagine you'll look back on it very fondly. You, I'm sure you have stories like you've shared with us today that you'll have for many years to come. It, it's been a weird transition back into a normal routine. And I feel like these crazy stories I have about hot dogging wind themselves into my everyday life. Like the simplest things can remind me of anything that happens to me on the road that I don't even remember happening until I'm telling the story. But what that has given me, which I will value so much forever, is one the knowledge that I should talk to as many people as I can, because it's these people who went out of their way to talk to me about my giant hot dog card that really had an impact on my life and changed it. And to just get out there and say yes to everything. I was lucky enough to have this opportunity and I'm so happy that I took it. And I know that those kinds of things don't happen often. So I just encourage everyone who has an opportunity to go somewhere new or talk to somebody they don't know to take it. You never know where it could go. Did anyone try to dissuade you at any point? Like, oh, you need to take the traditional job right out of college. Don't be a hot dogger going to corporate America and more of a traditional path. So I tried to dissuade myself. I was like super up in a whirlwind about it when I got the call that they were offering me the position and I was just like this will literally change my life and I in the midst of a global pandemic have to leave everyone and everything I know and go promote hot dogs for a year and I have no idea what that's like and so I was lucky enough that I had a really amazing mentor at the place that I worked at in Philadelphia over the summers and I called her and was like I don't know if I want to come back to your company or if I want to drive this hot dog. And she was just like, you are so dumb. Are you kidding me? This is, we will be here when you get back. This is a once in a life that you have no idea what just fell into your lap. Like you need to do this. You will gain so many, not just work skills, but life skills. And like, this is something I'll talk about forever. And I was like, damn, that's a good point. So I hung up the phone and called my boss back and was like, I'll take it. I'll be a hot dogger. Yeah. So I those are the opportunities, especially when you're right out of school. I guess this goes for anybody. Just take a chance. If you're going to take a chance, might as well take a chance when you're 22, as opposed to later on, just take chances later on in life too. But I guess more optimally, right. That's the time to do it. That's what everyone on the road, every parent has said to me, it was interesting. I got parented a lot by like random strangers on the road of them just being like, this is going to be so great for you. And it's going to look amazing on your resume and you'll be able to do whatever you want. Like just like parents being pseudo proud of me. It was very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Before we move on to your, your own Penn State experience, I have a follow-up question that I'm remembering from earlier now, and then I also have a request. So you mentioned earlier the the mayor in the small town Colorado that ended up being a dog, yeah. right? Was it a dachshund? No. Oh my. Okay. So <laughs> I pulled up my hot dogger Instagram and I found him. So his name was Parker and he was the mayor of East Town and he was a Bernese mountain dog. Big. All right. It would have been better if it was a wiener dog, but there's many of them on my Instagram page too. Don't worry. I'm sure. 
And then the request is, if you'll oblige us, we would be so appreciative. The Oscar Mayer jingle. Can you give us a little jingle uh, rendition? Oh, my goodness. Do you want the actual like Oscar Mayer theme song or do you want my baloney has a first name? No, do the theme song. Everyone knows that was the one that I thought I first actually looked up an article and I found it something different. Give us the, the hot dog jingle. Okay. It does come in 27 different genres, but I'll give you classic. <laughs> we'll take the classic one. <laughs> oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what I truly want to be. Because if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me. Thank you. Well done. Jared, I think that's the first time we've had somebody sing online legacy. That is true. This is, there's a number of firsts here for there sure. There you go. The Oscar Mayer, that was the Oscar Mayer jingle performed by All American Ashley. So well done. That was very oh, good. Oh, this has been great. This is this is fun, Jared. I love it. I love it. So let's put you now in the Lions Den, brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride and reminisce about your time. It wasn't very long ago at Penn State. And just remember when you want to show off your Penn State Pride, visit lions-pride.com for the latest and greatest apparel and merchandise. All right. So Ashley, first question, we know you're a recent grad, but looking back on your time at Penn state, how do you feel that it prepared you for this early part of your career and professional life you've had so far? Penn state. I was super grateful for how much it made me get out of my own comfort zone. Every year that I was at Penn state, I felt like a different person. I could just feel and see my own personal growth so much. And that, kind of set me on a course of just continuously growing that much in my personal and professional life and just taking roles that I wouldn't normally take. And then, so you're, again, as a more recent graduate, you felt the early part of the pandemic was, I guess, what, the spring semester of your senior year, right? Yes, sir. So just, I guess, talk about that for a moment. We've, we've, we had a, an intern over the summer who's a current student, but I, I guess she caught it at the beginning but tell us about your experience at the very end. It was so crazy. Um, I I was so thankful, first off, that I got to finish out my last thon in person, which I, I don't know how we managed to do that, but we did. And I'm super, super thankful for that last lasting Penn State experience. But then after that, it all, it was so sudden. So I had gotten to take the role of the executive of social media and analytics for comm agency, which is the student run agency in the college of communications at Penn state. And I had just gotten that off the ground. It was the second semester that it even existed. And I just pulled Penn state school of law as one of our clients. I had this meal business for the center of sustainability as one of our clients. I mean, like we were juggling these like large names and I was just like swept up in this whirlwind of presenting to all these really important figureheads at Penn State and wrapping up Thon and then getting ready even for just my own like senior semester. And I went off to spring break fully like one suitcase packed. I was coming back to State College like the end of that weekend. And while I was on spring break, we all found out at the same time that we would not be going back to school at all. And so that was just like, it was hard to be sad under some palm trees, but when I came back and had to go back up to Penn State and see 
all my school papers scattered all over. And even I was sad about seeing my clicker to take my role in class. Like, I was like, I'm never going to use that again. Like this is, it's all just so different now and transition to school online and just see Penn State as a ghost town was so weird. I had never been there when nobody else was there before. Yeah, definitely feel for you and all your friends and other students, right? Like senior year, spring, so many great memories. And unfortunately that, that changed with the pandemic, but you definitely made up with some really good memories, hot dogging across the U S that is for sure. I was super lucky. One of my roommates was from Atlanta, Georgia, and I never got to see her again because she had gone home for spring break and then she wasn't coming back because there was no reason to. And I had to leave way early before our lease ended so I could go to hot dog high. So we just never crossed paths again. And then I ended up getting to go to Atlanta in the Wienermobile. So that was the first time that I got to see her since we were physical roommates and then all of a sudden awesome yeah hot dogs bring people together right (laughs) sure does (laughs) so toughest question of the podcast favorite penn state memory this is so hard i really should have prepared an answer for this one i think one of my all-time favorite memories was when i got to rush the fields my freshman year and touch the actual turf of Beaver Stadium. That was awesome. I got to be in the same place as Saquon Barkley. What game was this? Was it us against Ohio State? Okay, that's what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. Sure was. Not a bad game to be at. It was awesome. I, for some reason, stayed all four quarters, and it was worth it because I got to run into the field. That was when I realized, like, what – decision I made in picking a college because I wasn't going to go to Penn State and then I toured Penn State and was like it's awesome here and then I was standing on the field of Beaver Stadium and I was like I get it now I understand that I'm like so lucky that I fell into this path well it's a good transition into the next question so if you could go back and visit with yourself as an 18 year old freshman after you made the right choice to go to Penn State what advice would you share oh my goodness that's tough I would say, hey girl, how's it going? Your (laughs) fashion choices are really bad. (laughs) I would tell her to join whatever kind of clubs she wants to join because they are seldom and hard to find in the real world. So try to find people with the same silly, goofy hobbies as you and explore them more so that you have something to do in your free time. Oh, that, uh, I think I wanted to say that for my favorite Penn State memory was I joined Paranormal State my freshman year, the ghost hunting club, because I used to watch it when I was really little on TV. Me and my mom were obsessed with it. And then when I got to Penn State, I saw a flyer for it. And I was like, wait, Paranormal I get it. It's a play on the name of Penn State. So I got to join that club and that was so full circle for me. I didn't even know that club existed. Oh, it's so cool, guys. There's a club for everything, Jared. That is true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> That's great. So I imagine when you were on the road, people would you know, often ask you, where did you go to school? And you'd, mm-hmm. of course, tell them we are. Mm-hmm. What do you tell people like if they ask, hey, I'm considering Penn State? What's your advice? Why should people go? 
I usually, it happens more often than you think, but I would say, look at me, I'm driving a hot dog and I get to get paid to do this. And that's because I went to Penn State and these are the kind of opportunities that are given to you at a school. So I think that's a good reasoning. That it is. <laughs> and how do you feel most connected to the university today? You still have connection. You mentioned recruiting through Oscar Mayer, but that was at, at Wisconsin. But anything else you're involved with to stay connected to dear old state? Yeah, I'm a part of the Alumni Association, and I also still actively talk to a lot of the leaderheads in Com Agency. So I'll actually be meeting with my old organization two weeks from now to meet up with them and talk to them about what I got to do in Com Agency that helped me get to where I am now. Fantastic. This has been a great 45 minutes, I should say. And thanks to you and Ross for letting me be part of this because I felt like you guys could just have gone on with your puns and puns, but just fascinating. And, and I think one of the takeaways is as we laugh and we joke around a lot is you mentioned it earlier, right? Being out of your comfort zone and taking mm -hmm. chances. And I think that's a really big takeaway here because people don't go into Penn State most likely thinking, okay, I'm going to become a hot dogger. But, you know, when the opportunity came up, you took it. And I think this is going to be a story that you have for the rest of your life. People will ask the rest of your life. You'll put it on your resume and it'll continue to take you places. And, and I think that just shows, as I mentioned before, when you go off the beaten path, that's, you know, a pretty good thing as well. So congrats mm -hmm. to you. We wish you continued success on your move. Uh, to Chicago and the accounts that you're working on. Look forward to, to certainly following you along the path and the hot dog highway, so to speak. And we always end with, we are. Penn State. Oh, that's so reminiscent. Lion Legacy is a Baruda production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.